The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. This week, I'm excited to bring you a roundup of highlights from some of the show's most popular episodes. When I hear from you, you're always so eager to tell me which writing advice and which authors impacted you the most. So in this episode, I've collected some of your favorites all in one place. And if you're a new listener, this is a great sampler of episodes to go back and listen to to get your creative energy going. First, we hear from Brittany Morris from episode 15, author of the best-selling YA novel Slay, as well as a new novel coming out on April 6th, The Cost of Knowing. I was amazed at the story she told me about writing her first novel when I asked her, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? Ooh, good question. Um, I think over the years I've kind of learned how to write in just about any conditions. I think when I was writing Slay, I was under an extremely tight like 12-day deadline. So I kind of got used to writing, you know, on the bus, on the company shuttle that I had. Um, I would think about what I was going to write next while I was biking to work. Um, I would curl up on the couch and write late at night. Um, I just kind of wrote wherever I could. But my favorite conditions to write in would probably be early in the morning at a coffee shop where like, there's like ample Wi-Fi and the temperature is great and the espresso is delicious. Like that's kind of my favorite situation. (laughs) Can you tell me more about this 12 day deadline? Yeah. So when I sat down to write Slay, I had just seen Black Panther and I was hoping someone would make a Wakanda inspired video game. And when no one was talking about it, I was like, I have got to write this. I'm physically uncomfortable with a Wakanda video game not existing. So I sat down and I wanted to know when the next Pit Mad was happening, which is a Twitter pitch contest for writers to get their work in front of agents pretty quickly. And the next one was happening in two weeks. And so I knew if I was going to be the first person with a Black Panther comp for my book, I was going to have to make this one um, because everybody else was going to be having theirs three months later at the next one. And so I knew I had to get this out in less than 14 days. So I sat down. I made a one page outline like I always do. And then I decided to try for a chapter and a half a day, I think. Um, And 
got everything out in 11 days. Um, I will probably never do that again. I came down with the flu on day 12 because I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. It was bad. So don't do what I do. Um, (laughs) But it worked this time. Next, Kim Kranz, author of the graphic memoir Blossoms and Bones and creator of the New York Times bestseller The Wild Unknown Tarot. Kim's interview, number 14, is my all-time most popular. Her honesty and raw glimpse into her creative process is a rare gift. On my own most challenging days, I go back and listen to this episode to feel inspired. I asked Kim, why do you write? I'm going to answer with writing and drawing in mind because they go hand in hand for me. They kind of braid around each other and they lead to, you know, the drawing leads to writing and the writing leads to drawing. Um, Especially in this, um, the new graphic memoir, Blossoms and Bones, it's my first time really working in the, in the graphic memoir space where writing and drawing are intertwined. And with that example, with Blossoms and Bones, I was trying to resolve an, an unsettled feeling inside of me that wasn't being settled through other methods. Talk therapy wasn't working. Exercise wasn't working. Meditation, yoga, the, all that stuff was helping. But none of those practices were getting to the core of the feeling. And I wanted to understand myself in the world and my, my, um, the complexities of the feelings that I was having. And so I would say that writing and drawing helps me to realign with that central self that's constantly begging for our attention. It's, it wants to build relationship with us. It wants to be close to us. And the creative process, you know, whether writing or drawing or painting or um, even conversation, dialogue, podcasting, if you can hit that deeper layer of conversation or language, you start to remember who you are and that self that we get distracted from so easily. So I would say in a nutshell, um, I write and I draw to remember who I am. Now we hear from episode 29's guest, Melissa Valentine, author of The Names of All the Flowers, a memoir. I asked Melissa, what are your best writing tips? And she shares advice that has affected me more than any author's advice in over 60 weeks of interviews. Forgetting that there's an audience is really helpful. Trying to write for yourself. Yeah. And just forget about it being good. That's a, you know, it's easier said than done, but you have to just get out of your own way. That's like the biggest tip. And going back to my ideal sort of writing, writing environment, I think doing it before you do anything for anyone else is one of my biggest tips because then it gets done. And, and, I don't know if every writer deals with this, but when you're in the middle of writing, when I'm in the middle of writing something, um, I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about how much needs to be done. I'm always thinking about it's not done yet. I'm always thinking about it's not good enough. You're just kind of always dealing with the book when you're writing a book. Um, So I find that 
working on it, dealing with it, whatever it is at that moment. And just doing that before work, before, you know, seeing friends, before anything else, when you start your day is just a really powerful way to honor it and just make it a daily practice. And then I'd say to um, having a community, connecting to a community in that you can do that by publishing, which of course, you know, happens over time and it's going to be smaller publications at first. And then eventually your people find you. It's going to be applying for fellowships and meeting people that way. I met a lot of um, great um, writers at a fellowship in San Francisco at the San Francisco Writers Grotto. And through that, I created a little community of women of color writers. We didn't actually share work with each other. It was more like a community space to just support one another, really, and and just kind of offer space. We, we hosted in our homes. We would sort of do it potluck style and host in one of our homes every month. And we were just a support to each other. We would talk about like issues we were having with in our books, but we never shared writing. We never read. We never shared work. It was just about like getting through hurdles, um, inspiring each other, supporting each other, telling us about different, you know, fellowships to apply for, different like you should apply for this and just encouraging each other. I think that's so important is having a community because there's so much internal stuff that's against you. You know, if you're anything like me, it's like you've got the self-doubt going kind of at all times. And that is pretty powerful and you can get swept up in that. And so it's really important to have a community, some people that are going through the same thing as you and can be supportive. On episode 39, I spoke with Rebecca Tosig, author of Sitting Pretty, The View from My Ordinary Resilient Disabled Body. Rebecca's book simply cannot be missed. And her episode is full of insights like her response to when I asked her, how do you overcome a block? For me, I like to picture writing as like the starting writing or kind of getting over that first hurdle as like approaching a giant hunk of clay. What trips me up is when I think that I have to get the most refined details done immediately. But really, when you approach a big giant piece of clay that you're going to sculpt into something, that first part is like pulling off big bits and and kind of shaping things into lumpy corners and the beginning part is like the the kind of rough and tumble. And so letting yourself kind of picture that, I don't know, that works for me. And then letting myself ease up on that refinement until much later down the road lets me kind of approach it with a little bit more open-handedness, I think. You all loved episode 27 with Asia Black of The Reminders. I hear from you about it every week. I loved it too. In fact, I think Asia and I talked for longer after the interview finished than during the recording. Asia is a songwriter and recently released a single with Rising Appalachia called Hungry World that has been the soundtrack to my month. Also, her popular Writing with Feeling creative writing class is going to be offered again in March, and she says you can find sign-up links across her social media soon. I asked Asia about editing and revising tips. Here's what she said. So when it comes to writing songs for me, I write a ton of songs and I write my songs kind of in moments. So I don't always sit down and just write a complete song from start to finish. Sometimes I just have these flashes of imagery that are strongly and deeply related to an emotion. The powerful thing about music is music is kind of an intersection of story and emotion and musical elements. And they're centered around emotion to create perspective and character and it's basically using musical elements in a sonic environment to tell a story and generate an emotion for a listener. 
So a lot of the times when I'm writing songs, I will have something that I've seen or heard and I'm thinking about, and I ask myself questions because for me, curiosity is a talent that I have. I've always been curious as a child. I didn't have to do anything to develop my curiosity. What I did have to develop was the craft of question. That's the skill, knowing which questions to ask of something and how to ask those questions. And so when I'm writing a song, I will ask myself, what is the emotion that I'm feeling? What is the emotion that I want people to feel with me? Not that I want people to feel on their own. What is the emotion I want people to feel with me at this moment? How am I going to bring them into the story or the moment? What is the first thing they're going to see or taste? And I use a lot of sensory language. A lot of the times I use a lot of metaphorical language because in my research of metaphor, I've learned that metaphor is such a divine language and it requires a depth of understanding of things and their similitudes. And I like to include a lot of metaphor in my songs because I think metaphor is such a strong vehicle to hold both emotion and imagery and perspective and character. And it's something I love to use. So I analyze my music to make sure that the emotion that I'm feeling is clear to me so that somebody else can feel it with me to make sure that the imagery involves sensory language so I can have a point where I'm bringing somebody into the story. In music, it's very unique because you almost get to choose your perspective. Whether I use I or you or her, if you identify with the moment or the image I'm creating, you will place that yourself in the story where you think you belong to be as close or as far from the emotion as you want to be. So I evaluate my songs to make sure that it generates questions in me to make sure that it has room for metaphorical language to make sure that I created a great sonic environment and I can use structure and sound either for contrast or a repetition or as a vehicle to kind of move the story along. So there's so many elements after I have an initial concept of an idea that I look for because I think those are the things that through testing have provided the quality of my music that I'm looking to create. It's brought me such joy to listen back over some of my most popular interviews to bring you these special nuggets. I hope you feel extra inspired to get back to the page. You can find the full episodes with these writers on my website or on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at Fierce Women Writing. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.